What is up, Multiply family? This week, Multiply Church is celebrating our 63rd anniversary. 63 years of loving Jesus and changing the world. Multiply Concord and Multiply Espanol are joining together for a celebration of our anniversary. And so today, we're joined live here in the studio to pre-record this message just for you, our online family. So go ahead and grab your Bible and a notebook, and let's get started. Greater faith, greater confidence. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You know, the word confidence can be defined as the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. You know, confidence is a very important thing in life, in every arena of life. Confidence can make all the difference in getting that job or promotion or getting that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, what makes that awkward-looking guy think that he can get the most beautiful girl in the room? Confidence. What makes my Hispanic immigrant aunt from Puerto Rico say Thanksgiving instead of Thanksgiving? Confidence. What made Rosa Parks refuse to sit in the back of that bus that day? Confidence. What made a young African-American boxer from the low-income housing of Louisville, Kentucky, refer to himself as float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, the hands can't hit what the eyes can't see? Confidence. See, there is a confidence that is gained when we learn something. There's a confidence that is gained in discipline and in training and in education or the excellence, the exceptional skill or ability to do something. But then there is the confidence that is gained through knowing Christ and and believing in Christ as your personal savior. And see, this is what we call greater confidence. This is the kind of confidence that marked the life of King David and everything he did and everything he was. This was the godly confidence that defined the life of the Apostle Paul as he proclaimed the gospel in all kinds of situations and settings. And and this is what defined our Savior Jesus as he went in with authority and power and peace and love. You see, it is so for every person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It is that faith that will bring greater confidence. You see, not just any faith, because you see, nowadays, we, people believe in different things, in philosophies and ideas and concepts, but I'm not talking about faith in those kinds of things. See, it is the faith in the saving power of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It is that faith that will bring greater confidence. So, so what kind of confidence is greater confidence? Three things. It is confidence to confront. See, when we have that greater confidence that is rooted in the faith in Jesus Christ and in his saving power, we can confront our fears. We can confront our failures. 
we can confront ourselves. How many people right now are having such a hard time just because it's so hard to confront themselves. It's so hard to, to come to reality with, with ourselves. And see, that greater confidence gives us the power to confront our past, to confront our present, to confront our future. It is that greater confidence that is, is rooted in, in greater faith. The second thing that I want to bring to mind is confidence to conquer. So it's not only confidence to confront, but this greater confidence is confidence to conquer. First John 5, 4 says, for everyone born of God, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered And this is what has overcome the world. And look what it says. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the son of God. So see, you and I can be confident that our faith in Christ means that we can overcome. We do not have to be overcome with anger. There are so many people that say, I don't know what I do, what I do. I just, I can't help myself. I don't know what comes over me. No, you do not have to be overcome with the flood of emotions. You don't have to be overcome with bitterness. You don't have to be overcome with envy and strife. We don't have to be overcome by the vicious cycles of sin or the life controlling problems that want to tie us down from and, and keep us from achieving all that God has planned for us. We don't have to be overcome by the depression, the, the, the depressing and the discouraging news. I don't know about you, but we're living in times where it's so easy to be discouraged by just turning on the evening news. The evil all around us tends to just want to weigh us down and tends to want to rob us of our hope and tends to want to rob us of our confidence. And sometimes we're just questioning and saying, God, what's going to happen? But we don't have to be overcome by evil. We don't have to be overcome by the negative, discouraging news. You know, Romans says it clearly. It says, no, in all these things, in discouragement, in fear, in loneliness, in anger, in uncertainty, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So it's not only confidence to confront. It's not confidence only to to be able to to confront and to and to know and face our fears but it also confidence to carry on it is confidence to carry on it's faith in the saving power of Jesus Christ that saves but you know what it not only saves us from our sins you are certain that it not only saves us from our sins but you are certain that it will sustain you. It will sustain us through every season of life. Listen, through seasons of loss, he will sustain you. Through seasons of pain, he will sustain you. Through, se- through seasons of, of undecisiveness, of questions and, and what to do in my future, he will sustain you. In the in-between, <laughs> he will sustain you. In the seasons of illness, he will sustain you. You see, he will carry you so that you and I can carry on. See, it is confidence that no matter what comes your way, listen, 
God will see you through. God will see you through. God will enable you. God will sustain you. God will empower you. God will strengthen you for the task at hand, no matter how overwhelming it may seem. And this is the message for today and for the church of today and for for all of us in these days that we're living in, these, these dangerous, discouraging times. You need to know God will carry you. God will sustain you. You know, in 1939... World War II days, Great Britain was facing the threat of massive air air attacks on their major cities. The morale was low. The people were discouraged. The people were fearful. They were burdened. And in an effort to raise the morale, the British government in that time in 1939 printed and generated a motivational poster that stated the following, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. See, that's what greater confidence does. You see, it's the confidence to keep calm and carry on in God's perfect peace. It is the confidence that says that in the middle of this storm, I know he's in the boat with me. That in the middle of the storm, there could be silence. I could be thinking, where are you, God? But I have that peace to know that he is there. I have that peace to know that God will carry us in in never-ending strength and in overcoming power. And so, see, that confidence is able to be so sure. Philippians 1.6. I leave this verse that says with you, for I am confident I am confident. I tell you what, there is nothing more um, awesome and amazing than somebody who's confident. You could tell in the way they walk. You could tell in the way they carry themselves. You could tell in, in, in just their gestures. You could just tell. See, and that's, that's the confidence that Philippians 1, 6 says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it. By the day of Jesus Christ. Greater faith, greater hope. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, faith produces hope. See, hope, hope is actually the evidence of your faith. It's evidence that you have faith. See, hope, Spurgeon said it like this, hope, hope itself is like a star. Not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. See, see you, don't, you don't need hope when things are good. You need hope when things are bad. So let, let me just share a couple of things out of this passage here in Hebrews 11 um, that's going to help us see how faith and hope are connected. Number one, hope perseveres in the delay. See, Hebrews 11.13 says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Hebrews 11.39 says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them, did you see that? None of them received what had been promised. See, hope doesn't always see what it is believing for in the physical. See, Abraham did not see the multiplication of his people. 
And, and so, you know, there are things, there are things that you are hoping for that maybe you will not see in the physical, that, but, but not seeing them happen does not negate that they are going to happen. See, there are things that you and I are hoping for that we may not see in the natural. And it could be that the next generation is the one that's going to see it. Martin Luther King Jr. said, oh, at an overflowing crowd in Memphis, Tennessee, on April 3rd, 1968, where the city sanitation workers were striking, he said, we've got, and that's in that famous speech, we've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. He said, I- I've seen the promised land. And then he said this line, he said, I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight, he said, that we as a people will get to the promised land. Less than 24 hours, he was assassinated. See, we may not see what we hope for in the natural, but can I tell you that if God said it, he will do it? That that there are times, there are times you have to persevere even when you can't see it. There are times you just have to fight through it, fight through the doubt, fight through the confusion, fight through the disillusionment. Hope perseveres in the midst of delay. Number two, hope is anchored in the promises of God. See, hope is not dead when we believe in the one who is alive forevermore. See, 1 Peter 1.3 says, blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope that is anchored can never be shaken. Hope that is anchored doesn't shrink back. Hope that is anchored cannot be destroyed. Multiply, church. We have a hope, and it is a hope that is alive because we are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. See, every one of these men in the book of, 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 uh, of, uh, of Hebrews, chapter 11, were anchored and docked their faith in a God who is faithful to fulfill his promises. What is your hope anchored in? What is your hope holding on to? Hold on to the promises. Hold on to what God has said. All of these men and women held on. I don't know if you've ever been a part of, the, of a tug-of-war competition. There's two sides, and then there's a flag in the middle. Both sides plant their feet in the ground. They try to establish firm footing. But the most important thing is they don't let go of the rope. Even when it gets slippery, even when it gets muddy, even when it gets messy, they don't let go of the rope. Sometimes you have to just plant your feet and not let go of hope. Even when it doesn't look like nothing is happening, sometimes you have to just get your mind on the word of God and don't let it go. I've made up my mind. I'm not going to waste my time thinking about what hasn't happened. I'm going to spend my energy building and believing for the future. God has promised, take hope this morning. Because what God promises, he performs. And what God promises, he brings to pass. Number three, hope believes in a God that will do the impossible. How many believe that God can do the impossible? See, Romans 4.18 says, in hope, he believed against hope, talking about Abraham, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. See, one of the reasons why God delayed in sending Abraham and Sarah a son was to permit all their natural strength to decline and then disappear. See, it was unthinkable that a man, get this, a man who was 99 years old and a woman who was 89 years old were going to give birth to a baby. In fact, from a reproductive point of view, both of them were dead. Everything was dead. But Abraham did not walk 
by sight. He walked by faith. See, all we need to do is believe. How, how many of you say that that's an impossible situation? You know, if that, if that was me, I would have told God. Now, now at 99, when I have less strength, when I have less patience, when I don't want to deal with kids, now you want to give me a kid? I would have, I would I you know, one of, one, I would have said, God, I ain't got time for that right now. But can I tell you that without the supernatural, hope becomes something we all want, but realize that it's unattainable. See, hope and change has been the message of many presidential campaigns that ended up not delivering much of either. No hope and no change. And all too often we recognize that natural hope is impractical. Hence the idiom, don't get your hopes up. See, but in God, we have a hope that doesn't disappoint. That's what Romans 5 says, 5, 5 says. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Keep hope alive within you. Believe that God will do the impossible. Believe that God will do the impossible in your family. Believe that he'll do the impossible in your finances. Believe that he'll do the impossible in your children. Believe that he'll do the impossible at Multiply Church. God will do the impossible. Because for those who believe, anything is possible. Why? Because no word or promise from God will ever Fail. I want to say that again. No word or promise from God will ever fail. See, hope is a powerful thing when you have it and fatal when you don't. See, hope will change your attitude. Hope will change your perspective. Hope will change the atmosphere. Like Abraham, you will believe. And like Sarah, you will conceive. And like Moses, you will rise from your isolation and exile. Don't lose hope because God is determined to reverse your tragedy into transformation and crown your tomb into a testimony if you don't lose hope. We have greater faith and greater confidence. We have greater faith and we have greater hope. And then Hebrews says we have greater faith and we have greater assurance. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There's something called the Lindy Principle. The Lindy Principle. Basically, the Lindy Principle says this, that the longer something has existed in the past, the more likely it is to exist in the future. And so this is what I want to preach. I want to preach to somebody that your faith is not a fad. Your faith is not a fad. Your faith isn't something that just existed for a little while and it's not going to bring you into the future. It's the difference, it's the difference between checkers and the fidget spinner. Checkers, so I don't know if you know this, but checkers, the game of checkers is one of the earliest known games to man. 3000 BC. You know where it was discovered? It was discovered in Ur. Who came from Ur? Abraham came from Ur. Little known fact in the Bible, but actually the reason Isaac was being sacrificed was he lost to his dad in checkers. But I mean, can you imagine like our our forefather Abraham, like the father of, of our faith may have been sitting around playing checkers with Sarah may have been sitting around. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years as opposed to, y'all remember these? 
You remember the fidget spinner? So the fidget spinner was actually invented uh, in 1993, but the lady got rejected from Hasbro, let her patent expire. And in 2017, somebody else picked it up. And these things, I mean, remember they were like, you couldn't find a fidget spinner. Every kid had like five of these and they were popular for about two days. And then they were completely gone, right? So the Lindy principle, the Lindy principle says the longer something has existed in the past, the more likely it is to exist in the future. So I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing this. Checkers is probably going to be around tomorrow. Like Checkers is going to probably going to survive a pandemic. Checkers is probably going to survive political unrest. Checkers is probably going to survive a gas shortage. Like Checkers has been around for a while in the past. And so I can have assurance that Checkers is going to be there in the future. I have news for somebody. Your God has been around a lot longer than Checkers has. The Bible says that he's the Alpha and the Omega. The Bible says that he is the Eternal One. The Bible says that he is the Infinite One, the One without age. And can I preach this to somebody? That because my God was there before, he's going to be there in tomorrow. Harrison, your faith is not a fad. When you were a teenager in Mount Pleasant on fire from God, somebody might have said, oh, that'll, that won't last that won't last. He just got back from youth camp. That won't last. Your faith is not a fad. You're more on fire from God to, on fire for God today than you ever were. Pastor Brandy, your faith is not a fad. It survived cancer. It survived that prayer for a son. And it's going to survive whatever you're facing today. Your faith is not a fad. Miss Janice, your faith is not a fad. When you and Sammy drove those neighborhoods, drove those neighborhoods and you were the only ones and nobody was with you and you started knocking on doors and reaching those underprivileged kids, it's not over. Your best days are yet to come. Your faith is not a fad. Your faith is not a fad. My God was there before. He's there with us today and he will be with us tomorrow because Abel worshiped God with a pleasing offering. You can because Enoch was insanely close to God. You can be because Noah obeyed when no one understood. You can because Abraham lived as a stranger in a foreign land while looking forward to a better home, you can. Because Moses passed through the Red Sea, you can. Because Joshua saw walls come down, you can. Because Gideon defeated a vast army with small numbers, you can. Because Samuel heard from God, you can. Because David took down a giant, you can. Because great men and women of faith made it through suffering. And let me just tell somebody, it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. It's a privilege to suffer for him. I didn't say easy, but it's a privilege. Somebody out there, you're suffering. You're going through a hard time. You're going through what some of these men and women went through in the book of Hebrews. It is a privilege to suffer for the Lord. You know, I was thinking about this, this list in Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the, the hall of faith, right? And we understand, and this is important to understand theologically, the, the canon of scripture is closed. So the writing of scripture is closed. Like we come up hopefully with prophetic words and sermons, but they're not scripture. They're not on the same level as scripture. So the, the canon of scripture is closed. But you know what? According to that canon, 
the list in Hebrews 11, it's not closed. That Hebrews 11 list is actually God's up in heaven and he's still writing down names today. Like, don't, don't take my word for it. The, the Bible says this. It says in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for who? For us. So that only together with us, they would be made perfect. As we celebrate our 63rd anniversary, I'm reminded of one of those heroes of faith that graduated to heaven on Resurrection Sunday. There's no doubt in my mind that Pastor Tom's, Pastor Tom's name is in Hebrews chapter 11. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. Pastor Tom is with Jesus. Now Abraham's with Jesus. Now Isaac is with Jesus. Now Sarah is with Jesus. Now Rahab is with Jesus now. And so here's my question. Who's next? Who's next? I want on that list, church. I want on that list. It's not an easy list to get onto, but it's not by our works. It's by him working through us that we get on that list. I want to be in that Hebrews list. The last text message that I, that I ever received from Pastor Tom said this. One of, the, one of the lines was this. It said, just don't be surprised when you see much greater things happening. I believe that's our founding father. That's his words to you. It's his words to you. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, Multiply Church. Don't be surprised when we see much greater things with heads bowed and eyes closed. Even there in your living room, there as you're watching, I don't know if something would rise up with you and say, that's me, I want to be on that list. I know I'm not worthy in the natural. I know I got things in my past. I know I got things that I'm dealing with in the present. I know, I know I'm not perfect, but to the best of my ability, I want on that list. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? And I just want to invite you right where you're at. If your prayer would be, I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. I want to do great things and accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Would you just stand right where you're at? Come on, in your kitchen, at your island, at your, in your living room, right here in this, in this gathering, in this studio. Would you just stand? And can we just begin to maybe just lift a hand and offer ourselves up to God and say, God, would you do greater things in me? Would you do greater things through me? God, I thank you for what you did in the past. I thank you for who you used in the past. I thank you for this list in Hebrews 11. I thank you for our founding father, but God, I want to do greater things for the kingdom of God. My final question to you today is that greater things always starts with the greater one because it's not our abilities, it's his abilities in and through us. And so maybe you would say something like this, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I feel like I'm walking around, but I'm not awake. I feel like I'm going through motions, but I'm not alive. Today, you can receive the breath of Jesus Christ into your lungs so that you can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive 
to your purpose. And so if that's you, if you have not said yes to following Jesus, would you just pray a prayer something like this? Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, come into my life, and I want to serve you for all of my days. In Jesus' name, Multiply Church, I bless you into your tomorrows to do greater things for the kingdom of God. I hope the service today made a difference in your life. If you decided to follow Jesus, I would love to know. If you'll text ALIVE to 94000, we have some resources that we would love to give you that will help you as you continue to follow Jesus. To stay connected all throughout the week, check out our app. You can find it on your app store by searching for Multiply Church Family. Thanks for joining us today. I can't wait to see you again.